When most people think about a haunted place, they imagine a house or abandoned building. But I believe that whole areas can be hotspots for paranormal activity. For me, it would be the land lying to the east of Snowflake, Arizona, and west of Concho, Arizona. Along the old Concho Highway, the landscape is that of red rock, sandstone ridges, and red sand. Ancient Anasazi ruins are numerous along the bluffs. Echoes of time when land wasn't so arid and dry. Gnarled and twisted cedars dot the land along the large dry washes where sparse groves of cottonwoods grow. My grandparents owned 80 acres of land about 20 miles east of Snowflake. The locals in Snowflake refer to this area as Out East. My grandparents' mobile home sat on top of a slow-rising hill. About a mile south at the bottom of the hill, my aunt and uncle had built a three-level home where they lived with their two sons and two daughters. The house was a neat layout. From the front, it only looked two stories, but at the back, due to the slope of the hill, the basement was visible. A large wooden deck surrounded the middle section of the home. The home faced the west, and to the east, the hill slowly descended into a wash. From the back deck, there were views of the Zuni Holy Mountain and Little Colorado River Valley near St. John's, Arizona. This story is the account of the terrifying experience my older cousin Sam endured in the summer of 1991. It was late June. Sam was 17. While most people his age were enjoying their summer vacation, Sam was not. He had attended a huge graduation party and gotten drunk as a skunk. Unfortunately for him, the sheriff's department had also attended the party and he had received an underage consumption ticket, probation, a severe tongue lashing and a summer grounding. His mum even took the keys to his pickup he had worked all last summer to buy. There he was, stuck in the middle of the boonies. He had kept pretty busy though, helping out our grandparents who lived up on the hill. After coming home in the late afternoon, he noticed that their neighbour Jeff, from about five miles to the west, had stopped to visit with his dad. Bill. Jeff was one of those hippie guys. He was cool and all, but everyone suspected he probably partook in a little too much LSD in the 70s. Jeff had a place on top of the bluff, which ran adjacent to Stoddard's house. Bill and Jeff were on the porch bullshitting when Sam walked up. He said hello to Jeff, and Jeff asked him, if Sam would want to help him with a project on his property. He said he'd pay him a couple of hundred bucks for a week or two's worth of work, and Sam agreed. 
some party money for when his parents left town next week for their trip to Nebraska with our grandparents. The next morning, Bill gave Sam his keys back so that he could drive over to Jeff's place. When he arrived, Jeff was loading up shovels and equipment into his trunk. Sam hadn't asked what they were going to be doing but assumed after seeing the shovels, they were probably going to be replacing fence posts. Jeff told him to hop into the trunk, and they headed to the north, along the top of the bluff on a barely visible two-road dirt track. The top of the bluff had a good view of the surrounding area. You could see the outskirts of Snowflake, and the big dry wash dotted the cottonwoods to the west. The White Mountains dominated the horizon to the south. To the north, mesas near Hellbrook were visible. To the east were a little valley along a smaller wash. He could make out the roof of Stoddard's house. Stoddard's house, the thought, sent a shiver down his spine and gave him goosebumps. He pushed the stories of what happened there to the back of his mind. They went around a small sandstone alcove, and Jeff stopped the trunk. In front of them was a large ruin. Sam had grown up out east, and had seen many Anasazi ruins. It looked like a large pile of loose sandstone. But a closer look revealed pottery shards everywhere, like almost all of the ruins. This one had large holes where someone had used a backhoe to find pots at some time. Sam got an uneasy feeling. Jeff must have seen his face, because Sam said that he started explaining that his project was to excavate the ruin. He had a grand plan, that he was going to excavate the ruin and open a museum on his property of whatever items they found. He'd charge people about $5 to come and check it out. Sam argued that wasn't digging in ruins illegal, and Jeff told him, not if you own the property, it's son. Sam felt even more uncomfortable. What about angering spirits? Jeff laughed at this. Are you referring to Stoddard's place? Sam nodded. Don't get me wrong, Sam. Your aunt and grandma are nice, honest people. But I didn't think it was Indian spirits. I think they heard rumors in town about what happened to Stoddard, and they freaked themselves out. Besides, he said, this isn't a burial. There are no bodies here. Sam says now he should have listened to the feeling telling him to leave, but he said he brushed it off and started shoveling. Around noon, Jeff headed over to his house, to make Sam and him some lunch. Sam stayed at the ruin. He said he didn't really think much about it at the time, but he noticed it was extremely silent around the ruin. There were no signs or sounds of birds, even no cicadas, which usually around this time of year never shut up. He said on the wind he swore he could hear faint voices, but chalked it up to being freaked out by Stoddard's place, being only about a mile away. When Jeff returned with their sandwiches, he also brought a camera, 
so that they could document their progress and put the photos in the museum. Jeff had Sam take pictures of him in the room that they had cleared out and with the items. So they worked for a week. They weren't making much progress. They hadn't found a lot. A small pot, some beads, and half a matami. Sam was happy to have a day off. Or during the week, he had fought the feeling that something bad was going to happen. He was glad to get away from the ruins for a while. He also hadn't been sleeping well. He dreamt one night that his bed had been shaking. After a pretty uneventful weekend, Sam returned to Jeff's house Monday morning. To his surprise, there was a backhoe parked in his driveway. Another neighbor had loaned it to Jeff. Jeff was excited because now they could make more progress. They made a lot of progress. They uncovered three to four rooms and found some more artifacts. Tuesday and Wednesday go by the same. More rooms, more artifacts, all the while snapping pictures. After filling four rolls of film, Jeff takes them to town to be developed. This was way before camera phones and digital cameras, where it took about 10 days to get your pictures developed, by the way. It was now Thursday. They had come across a pretty large room in the Pueblo. In the middle is a large block of sandstone. This piqued Jeff's curiosity. The rest of the sandstone they had come across was small. Using the backhoe, he moved the sandstone to the side. There was a black hole beneath. Something about that black hole made Sam's stomach knot. Jeff was extremely excited. He looked into the hole, but was unable to make anything out. He grabbed a flashlight and shined it into the hole. It's another room, Jeff exclaimed. Sam didn't want to look. Something about that opening made his skin crawl. Jeff told Sam to run and grab a ladder. He did as he was told, hoping Jeff wasn't going to ask him to go in there. Thunder rolled in the distance as he headed back to the ruin. Monsoon clouds were building up in the south, and the wind had picked up. Jeff put the ladder down into the opening. Sam asked him if it was safe, and Jeff figured that since the room had been filled with dirt, and the giant slab of sandstone for a thousand years, he didn't reckon the roof would collapse now. Jeff descended the ladder with a flashlight. Holy shit, he heard Jeff exclaim. He called to Sam, who slowly made his way over. Bring the camera and come down. Sam felt terror grip him. He really didn't want to go back down there, but he also didn't want Jeff to think he was a chicken shit either. He grabbed the camera and descended into the black pit. At first, he couldn't see anything. It's black, very black. And then he saw the beam of Jeff's flashlight shining on a large corrugated pot. Even with the sunlight coming down the opening, it wasn't able to penetrate the darkness. Finally, it dawned upon Sam that the walls and floors were black, the air was stale, and it smelled strongly of soot. 
Jeff was excitedly moving around the room to see all the treasures it held. A long roll of thunder boomed in the distance. Start taking pictures, Jeff exclaimed, annoyed that Sam was just standing there. Make sure the flash is on. Sam began to snap photos. The flash illuminated the room briefly. And after about the third photo, Sam caught a glimpse of something that made him jump. A human skull. Heat pounding in his chest, he squeaked out, Jeff, there's a skull. Jeff, busily looking over there, didn't hear him. He snapped another photo just to be sure. Yup, definitely a skull. But he still didn't get heard. So Sam said louder, Jeff, there's a skull. What? Oh yeah, a skull. There's a few of them down here. Looks like there was a fire in this room. He kicked one across the room towards Sam. And Sam jumped. What the hell, man? Sam said, his fear turning into anger. Dude, this isn't right. You shouldn't be messing with bodies. We need to call the cops or something. Jeff laughed. Call the cops? And tell them what? We found a bunch of thousand-year-old dead Indians? Sam was now really pissed. Listen, Jeff, if you want to mess around with this stuff, be my guest. I'm done. There's something bad about this place and I'm leaving. Again, Jeff laughed. You're scared of a bunch of bones? Whatever, man, go. I'm not paying your ass to be a crybaby. Sam tossed Jeff's camera to the ground and climbed up the ladder and Jeff started cussing at the broken camera. Sam didn't care, though he started walking back to Jeff's house where his truck was parked. The wind was blowing pretty hard now. Black clouds covered the sun. Sam now saw flashes of lightning, along with the thunder. When he arrived home, he remembered that my aunt and uncle had left along with his sisters on their trip to Nebraska. His older brother Zach was also gone at work at Pizza Hut for the evening. He was tired. He lay down on the couch and fell asleep trying not to think about the black room full of bones. A loud crack of thunder shook the house and jolted Sam awake. The house was dark. He fumbled his way to the light switch and flipped it on. Nothing. A flash of lightning illuminated the room. Damn, the storm must have knocked the power out. The wind was howling outside. He fumbled around in the closet until he found the lantern and lit it. He still felt extremely creeped out. So he went up to his bedroom where he had a joint stashed. He figured if he smoked it, it would help with his nerves. His bedroom faces the driveway. He opens up his window and goes to light the joint. A flash of lightning and something darts across the driveway. And his heart skips a beat. The dogs start barking. He puts down the joint and closes the window. He feels terror gnawing at his gut. What the hell was that? He goes downstairs as a precaution and locks the front sliding door. He hears heavy footsteps running across the porch. Now he goes into full-on panic mode. Shit. The side door. He bolts across the living room and trips over a chair. 
The dogs are freaking out, growling and barking. He catches a glimpse of something run by the living room window, illuminated by the flash of lightning. He gets to the door, fumbling at the lock. Whatever is outside has a hold of the knob. It starts to turn. He slams the deadbolt. Locked. Shit. The basement sliding glass door. He bolts down the stairs. He makes it to the door, finding it already locked. Phew. Another lightning bolt. In the flash, he sees the silhouette of what he thinks is a man, covered with fur, with a coyote skin draped over his head. Red eyes, shining from the darkness where his face should be, standing at the edge of the yard. It's very tall. Looking into those red shining eyes, his breath caught in his throat. Panic wells up in him. Scrabbling, he falls backwards, knocking his head on a table. Crying, he gets up to his feet and bolts upstairs to the phone. Call 911. Call 911. His heart is hammering into his brain. He picks up the phone. Nothing. A large thud coming from the roof shakes him from his despair. The thing is on the roof. Shit. Gun. Gun. That comes to mind. He bolts to his parents' bedroom, where they keep a shotgun in the closet. The dogs bound in after him. It begins to start pouring rain. He can still hear the footsteps on the roof. He locks the door behind him. He's going into the closet, and the dogs follow him. He finds the shotgun, his hands shaking like crazy, and he loads it. The dogs are quiet. He can't hear anything coming from the roof anymore. Where the hell is it? In the house? He sits in the closet and waits. The dogs huddled around him. What seems like an hour passes, and nothing but the distant boom of thunder as the storm marches on. He begins to calm down a bit in shock. At this point, the storm has rolled to the north. Suddenly, he hears the door rattling. Bang, bang. It's beating on the door. Boom. The shotgun goes off, blowing a hole in the closet ceiling, and someone screaming. Don't shoot! He hears his brother Zach scream. Tears run down Sam's face. He drops the gun and runs to the door, unlocking it, almost knocking over his brother. Zach is pissed. What the hell, man? Why are you shooting at me? Sam is in a daze. The story of what happened earlier in that day, and this evening, spews out of him. Zach listens, not saying a word. At the end, Zach asks him, "Okay, Sam, what did you smoke?" "Nothing. I'm not high, bro." Zach laughs at him. "Okay, but Mum is going to be pissed." Not only because you blew a huge hole in their closet, but also all the mud tracks all over the place. You better get it cleaned up. What mud? And how did Zach get in? The house was locked. He asked Zach, and Zach tells him that the sliding glass door was wide open. The electricity had come back on at some point while he was in the closet. True to what Zach said. There were red mud, bare footprints around the house. 
it wasn't him. He showed Zack his shoes, bare feet, and that the prints were way larger than his feet. David agreed. I bet it was Jeff, Zack concluded. He probably came over to mess with you because he's pissed you quit and busted his camera. He knew you were freaked out, so he thought he'd mess with you. Sam wasn't sure, but it made him feel slightly better. Yeah, he tells himself. Jeff, that asshole. I must not have got the latch to the sliding door closed. The noise on the roof must have been the wind blowing shingles off the roof. It began to all make sense. He and Zack drank a couple of beers that their dad had left in the fridge. They cleaned the mud to the best of their abilities. And after getting buzzed, they decided that they were going to go over in the morning and confront Jeff. Zack says he needed to pay Sam an extra since they now needed to rent a carpet shampooer to clean the mess that Jeff made. Finally, they decide to go into town. One of their friends is throwing a party. I don't think either one of them wanted to stay out there. The party is one that's out in the boonies, with a big bonfire. There are about 20 teens there. Sam is having a hard time enjoying the party. He keeps feeling like something is watching him. The beer isn't tasting good, and he's not really socializing with his friends. They ask him what's wrong, but he just says he's tired. The full moon is rising to the east, casting its eerie light in the sandstone bluffs and cedars. Sam gazes past the firelight and catches a glimpse of something moving just out of the reach of the firelight. It moves behind a bush. Must be someone peeing, he thinks to himself. But his gut is disagreeing. Suddenly a strange throaty howl pierces the night. Sam jumps. He looks around, but no one else seems to have heard anything. They continue laughing and talking. He now hears heaving footprints behind him. He turns to see a large figure of a man standing just outside the firelight. He is paralyzed with fear. The man's face is hidden in shadow, but Sam can feel his eyes piercing him. He closes his eyes and starts whispering a prayer under his breath. When he has the courage to open his eyes, the man is gone. He's pretty freaked out at this point and just wants to get out of there. And he tells Zack he's going home. Zack decides to stay. Sam doesn't really want to go home and he also doesn't want to go back to the party. Mind racing, he heads down east to the old Concho Highway. Surely, he thinks to himself, he is just freaking himself out. Jeff came over and scared him, and that person at the party was probably just someone who was out there peeing. Yeah, makes sense. He notices something run across the highway. It's about 2am, so the highway is deserted. He slows down, thinking it must have been a deer. Crash! Something hits the back of his truck, jerking it forward. What the hell? He slams on the brakes, looking in the rearview mirror. He catches a glimpse of shining eyes. He is in full panic mode. He stomps on the gas. Sheer terror engulfs him. Too afraid to look back, he sees something out of the corner of his eye. He turns to look, 
and sees a man running next to the truck. He looks at the speed. 70. He looks again, and now the coyote-type creature is looking at him. At first, his face is shrouded in blackness, and then he said it transformed before his eyes. The only way he could describe it was that of a demon. Large red eyes and a twisted smile showing long, sharp teeth. It threw back its head and laughed. It took a long, clawed hand and scratched along the truck as it sped past and disappeared into the darkness. So this is what I remember. We lived about two hours away from Snowflake. I'm seven years old in my bed. At 3 a.m., our family is awakened by someone pounding on the door. Of course, this wakes up everyone, including us kids, as we watch as my dad opens the door to see my cousin Sam. He's white as a ghost, shaking and crying. My parents, pretty damn startled, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. He starts babbling about demons chasing him, and my mum sends us back to bed. The next day, my dad calls another hoe friend, and they take him somewhere near Saunders to see a medicine man. After they return, Sam stayed with us until his parents returned from Nebraska. When he finally goes home, he never sees anything again. Years later, when I was older, and we became closer, I asked him what happened that night, the one that he'd shown up at the house, and he reluctantly told me. I later asked my parents about it, and they confirmed the same story he had told them, minus one final part. So the morning that Sam showed up at our house, Zack and his older brother went to Jeff's house to collect Sam's money. When he got there, Jeff wasn't there. The door to the house was wide open. The inside was trashed. Furniture was overturned and broken. Jeff ended up being gone for about six months. Everyone wondered where he had gone to. No one really knew anything about his family, just that they were from the Midwest. At one point, my grandma filed a missing persons report with the sheriff's office, but later the sheriff informed her that Jeff was back east. When he does finally return, he is gaunt and looks like he's aged about 20 years. Everyone wonders if it was the drugs. Fast forward to five or six years, my grandparents invite Jeff to Thanksgiving at their home. Sam has graduated and long since moved away, but he is up for Thanksgiving. Jeff asks Sam to come to his truck because he has something to show him. Sam agrees. Jeff hands him a stack of photos. They are the pictures they had taken while excavating the ruins. Sam flicks through, not really wanting to think of what happened back then. In the last few years, he convinced himself it was just a bunch of coincidences and he freaked himself out over them. Jeff unhappily tells Sam to look at the pictures closer. Sam does. At first, he doesn't notice anything. But then he notices in the shadows on the picture, there are figures, small, twisted, and evil, with the same face of the demon that was chasing him. Jeff apologizes to Sam, but he says that he had to make sure he wasn't crazy. He tells Sam that in the six months he was gone, he was hunted by this thing. 
It followed him all the way to Oklahoma. Finally, he sought the help of a medicine man. He returned the artifacts back to fill the ruin. And Sam said he didn't know what happened to the photos. And he didn't want to know. I am 23. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope everybody's having a blessed day. I mean, it's very hot outside, but we got to make the best of it, you know? Every day is a, it's a blessing from God, and, you know, every day that we can open our eyes and move our hands, our feet, literally wake up, it's a gift from God. So we got to make everything count every day. You know, we know about today, but we don't know about tomorrow. One day we wake up, one day we won't. So I hope everybody's having a blessed day and enjoy the rest of the day. Stay cool, stay safe. And remember, we all matter. All lives matter at this cost.